Hello, mga kababayan! Welcome to episode 14 of Usapang Pinoy, a Georgia Asian Times podcast. Maraming salamat po sa inyong pagtangkilik sa ating um, podcast. And this is now our 14th. At gusto ko na naman pong i-remind sa inyo na ang ating theme song um, is Pinoy Talaga. was written and sung by my brother, Jean Basilio Jr. So, ngayong araw na ito po, it's a very anticipated, very well anticipated day dahil ang tagal ko na pong naghanap ng isang Filipino nurse na who actually worked at an intensive care unit during the pandemic and who still does. So, ang tagal ko pong naghanap, ang tagal kong um, nag, uh, nagtatatawag ng kung sinong mga nurses and um, finally, I was able to get one for us. So, sa wakas, ang ating pong guest ngayon ay isang nurse sa ICU and I'm so looking forward to what she will tell us in the next few minutes. Pero bago ko pa siya ikpakilala, let me make a couple of important announcements. Ang una po ay ang Asian Justice Rally which is going to happen on Wednesday, March 16th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. And this is brought to you by the Asian Justice Movement. And you can find them at asianjusticemovement.org. Ito pong um, Asian Justice Rally is to commemorate the anniversary of the March 16th shootings in Atlanta last year. And this will happen in Liberty Plaza at the Georgia State Capitol. And the address is 1 Martin Luther King Jr. Drive, Southwest Atlanta, 30334, if you want to um, map quest that. Marami pong mag, mag, uh, mga bisitang dadating, including representatives from the White House themselves at ang mga um, interagency uh, partnerships po, yung kanilang mga representatives and a lot of the f- uh, Asian community or partner organizations will be there to support this rally. So if you have time and if you want to, please show up at the for the Asian Justice Rally. Salamat po. Ang pangalawa kong announcement is uh, congratulations to our very own Kamayan Atlanta. Sila po ay uh, one of the semi-finalists for the 2022 James Bird Foundation Awards. Um, Mia Orino and Carlo Gunn of Kamayan Atlanta are uh, nominated or are the semi-finalists for Emerging Chef Title One, yung kanilang category. And... Um, we uh, need to support them. So, congratulations, Kamayan. And ang pangatlong announcement po is, again, I mentioned a couple of episodes ago that the Philippines is now open for travel. So, um, bago po tayo maglagalag sa buong mundo, <laughs> muwi muna tayo dahil open na. And there are there's no more quarantine. And... Um, in the past, they ask you to quarantine for anywhere from five to seven days, and then it went down to two days. Ngayon, wala na daw po. And the only requirement is that you are fully vaccinated and that you provide a negative test. So, magandang balita, di ba? So, ngayon po, I will be right back with our guest podcaster for the day. Ngayon po, mga kababayan, gusto kong ipakilala sa inyo ang ating special guest podcaster na si Ms. Rose Chiwatan, who is an ICU nurse. 
She received her Bachelor of Science in Nursing in the Philippines. She has been a nurse for 42 years, and she is currently a nurse in the intensive care unit and has been for more than 30 years. Prior to the ICU, she has been a surgical ICU nurse, a med- medical surgical nurse, and a telemetry nurse, which I will ask her to explain what that is. <laughs> Welcome, Rose. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Um, we are so excited to have you and to listen to your stories because it is such a, a powerful, important story, uh, especially during these times. So... First of all, can you tell our listeners how was the situation out there in the battlefield at the beginning of the pandemic? Because you were right there. Yeah, at the beginning of pandemic, um, it's kind of like uh, very chaotic and confusing, like because we don't know really how to treat this this virus. Like every every day, the rules change. Like um, from the start, when we use the N95 before, we use it then when we come out from the patient and the isolation, we throw it away. But during the pandemic, they told us that we can use it. They issued to us. We, we, we don't used to be, we get it in the supply room, but now they told us that we can use it in one patient that is confirmed COVID and we can use another N95 for of the patient that were waiting for the result of the COVID. But after a few days, it changed again. We can use it both on the patient and then we can use it for five days. (laughs) It just keeps changing. The rules changing. So to clarify that, you're saying that the N95 masks that were issued to you, you can use the same mask on the same patient for five days or... Five days, yeah. And then... And then, or were you asked to use the same mask for different patients? At the beginning, at the start, like they said that if you have a patient that is COVID, confirmed COVID, which is they, because used to be the test come back a uh, few days, like five days, six days before we found out that the patient is positive. But at the time, almost all our patients in ICU are COVID. Mm-hmm. But some of them are just, not confirmed yet, but they have the symptoms of having COVID, so we treat them as a COVID. But uh, they told us the fir- at first that we can use one N95 for one patient that is confirmed and one N95 for the patient that is just, you know, we're waiting for the results of the test. But it changed every day. The rules change every day. That's why I said sometimes it's very confusing mm-hmm. for us, like, you know, uh, what to do with uh, we always have a huddle before the, the start of our shift uh, you know that before we, we can see the patient so it is really very confusing for us and then there are some and then there are every, every time there's a new set of rules like um, like used to be the IV pump you know for the patient it's inside the room of the patient but since to limit us from keep going inside, we put an extension tubing. So all the pump is outside the room, mm-hmm. you know, it's, so we don't go keep going inside and exposing ourselves to COVID. Right. And there's so many changes, like, you know, it is, that's why at the beginning, 
it is very confusing and every and we tried so many things that so we're not gonna be you know uh exposed to it there even the doctors we said that you know those doctors like only mostly the pulmonologists and the cardiologists can go inside the patient room to limit the exposure mm-hmm. and even when we coding the patient it's also different like um we cover the patient with plastic mm-hmm. so you know because it's it's, it's an airborne okay. so it's really difficult for us to you know as i said it's keep changing maybe today it's this this is what we're gonna do tomorrow will be different so that was one of your biggest challenges is that the, the policies and the procedures change every day so can yeah, you and mm-hmm. yes go ahead yeah it is it's very uh, at the same time we're scared you know um we might get the the the, the virus right yeah it's because we are there for t- we work 12 hours a shift so we were there with the patient for 12 hours Right. And that is, I mean, you have, you are sacrificing your own life. You're, you're putting your life in ri- at risk. So, um, I do yeah, remember, so uh, go ahead. As well as our family, you know, we, we are scared that, you know, especially those nurses that have small children, mm-hmm. they're scared that they, we're going to bring the virus back home. Mm-hmm. So we have changed the clothes when we come into work. Before we touch our anything at home, we take a shower, we disinfect ourselves. Even in our car, we had all this disinfectant. <laughs> it is just crazy thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, I, now, I remember you telling me you yourself got sick. Tell us about that and how you survived and how you coped with, with it. Yeah, when I, when I, uh, I worked for three days, that then I, when I come home, I, I, I'm so tired. Anyway, we always tired when it come home because it's always busy. And then uh, when I woke up that day, I worked night shift. Uh, so when I woke up that day, I feel that I'm kind of feeling sick and I have a low grade temp. The next day, my temp went up. So I scheduled myself for a COVID test. Uh, I, I, and then, but the test result will not come back till like five days. Mm-hmm. So uh, the same day I went to the urgent care, but they only doing a rapid test. But at least I did the, the doctors there gave me a um, antibiotic and did a chest X-ray. Uh, he told me that I had pneumonia. So, but then Thursday my fever is gone, but I noticed that my oxygen saturation keeps dropping. So I the that Friday morning I told him. She's my neighbor. I told her, like, I think I need to go to the ER. So she took me to ER, and then I was confined. Like, but I told myself that, you know, I should stay on top of this. I will do everything. You know, they just they tested me, and I'm positive. So they they admitted me, mm-hmm. and then I said that my oxygen kept dropping. Like, you know, when I stand up and use the commode, uh, it will drop. So. But they put me on telemetry. That is the telemetry is like they mon- monitoring my heart, you know. Then, but at the same time, that has a ca- capability of um, monitoring your oxygen saturation as well. You know the the, the level of oxygenation. Mm-hmm. And I have my own. I brought my own. But I told the nurse that you know, 
Don't you think you, ha- you need to monitor my oxygenation? Because that's the reason why I came in, because my oxygen keeps dropping. She said, there's no order. But I insisted I need to be monitored. So that's what I said. I, you should stay on top of the thing. Like, you know, the, you have to ask questions and things like that. I told myself that I follow everything. And in within my power that I'll do everything that I can do to keep me from being into get intubated, you know, to sit on right. put on the respirator. Right. So I'm glad so, you you recovered. So have, is this the same um, <clears throat> situation that you have seen of the patients, or can you tell us a little bit of what you have seen out there from the patients? Yeah, it's, it's a different like because I think. I have an advantage being a nurse to right. know what I need to know and what I need to ask. Like for that, for the oxygen saturation, I, I told and insisted I had to be monitored. Then they gave me uh, part of the treatment there is um, convalescent plasma and the, the um, in Rendisipir. But there's a period, that a, a window for that. If you pass the window, you cannot get that medication. But me, I, 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 as I know that, you know, um, just like there's a protocol that they follow. Mm-hmm. Like you, you take the receiver, they gave you the, the, the steroid and they gave you the convalescent plasma and they gave you all this melatonin and the uh, Tylenol. But thinking of that, that the receiver will increase your liver enzyme. So I told I don't have fever anymore. Why should I have taken a Tylenol? Because the Tylenol, you know, uh, affect your liver. So mm-hmm. that's why, you know, those things. That I, and then they told me I, I really do things like um, doing the breathing treatment. They gave me in the incentive spirometer and the, they call it uh, acapella. So I did that religiously. Every time I have chance to do the breathing treatment, uh, Breathing exercise, I did that. I prone myself, even they didn't tell me I prone myself because that's what we're doing to the patient in ICU. We prone them, we put them on their belly, and then we their oxygenation goes up. Like you know, mm-hmm. they 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 could maintain their oxygenation. So that's what part of the protocol. We prone the patient, even they are big. Sometimes it takes six nurses to prone the the patient. Oh my God! And, and then uh, one respiratory therapist. Depending on the patient, there are some patients that are that really uh, a little, so it will take four nurses because there's a system to prone them. Because most of the patient uh, that has COVID uh, on the respirator has a lot, lot of uh, drip, like you know the we call it the pressor, like the. Uh, and a lot of antibiotics. So we we also take care of the tubing if we're not gonna be pulled. You know, there's mm-hmm. so many things to and also the rest the endotracheal tube, you know, they are connected to the vent, you know, so we don't want to activate the patient. So it's really, really, really hard at the time for us, like you know. So when you in said fact, sometimes we're we're talking that by the end of this pandemic maybe most of us gonna have a back issue because when you said you know, proning proning the, well, i can imagine because that's a lot of weight and um 
when you're carrying something, it, it you know they always tell you to pr- protect your lower back. But when you said proning the patients, have you did you have to do that for every patient in the ICU or just some? Some of them, not all of them, because some some, but mostly we do this to the patient that is really really sick. Those on the respirator that could not maintain their oxygenation, and that's the one that and most of them are you know, dead weight because they're paralyzed, they are uh, sedated. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they're they're not, you know, going to help you at all. But some patients, you can tell them that you prone yourself. You you teach them how to lay on their back and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so how long do do you let them stay in that prone position? It depends. Uh, First, they said 16 hours prone, 8 hours to find. Then it becomes 21 hours prone, eight hours to find. You know, they, they keep changing the rules. Mm-hmm. So, so in this situation, I mean, f- at that time, how th- have you seen a lot of survivors of uh, people who recovered at the same time? Now, is this is a very difficult questions question to ask, but yeah, th- there's yeah, th- there are a lot of patients that recover. In fact, uh, when the patients come out from the ICU. Ring the we ring the bell like we have a big bell mm-hmm, like as celebration they, as we get get them out in ICU we ring the bell and when they get out the out the hospital the the hospital will play a song oh yeah so it is and it we're happy to see them to to come out from ICU because you know the the first rule that they told us at the start of COVID just protect yourself and keep your patient alive you know right. that's the one thing that they told us, like, you keep your patient alive and protect yourself. Because right. all of our, you cannot choose any, because, in fact, uh, with, with the whole ICU at the time is all COVID. So we moved some of our patients, we occupied another floor in the hospital to be an ICU. We occupied the burn unit to put the ICU patients that are not COVID. Mm-hmm. So on, on top of that, they are really short staff. They they even try to do the team nursing, wherein they they use the floor nurses, the regular nurses to to come work with us. They gave us six patients, and each floor nurses will have two patients, and I will be in charge with them. We try that. We try different things because it's really hard. We are very short staff. Usually the ratio of patient in ICU should be two, two is to one, mm-hmm. but most of the time we have three is to one, and then they try the steam nursing, and it's really hard. I cannot blame the the regular nurses or the floor nurses. You know they're scared; they don't know how to do manage a vent patient. So we are in charge with the vent and the 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 grip of the patient. Like you know when they have some medication that is you know to keep their blood pressure up, their temperature maintain their heart rate, you know, make it regular and things like that, those things. So, so we manage those things, but they, they're afraid to touch the patient. And I don't blame them because they are not trained and they just put them there. Right, right. So it was, it was <clears throat> or is, I'm, I imagine it still is a, d- a very difficult situation, but I, my, my second part to that question is that you've seen, we've seen patients recover, and this is the difficult part of that question, have you seen patients, and I'm sure you have, um, pass away under your watch? Oh, yeah. There's a lot that pass away. The, 
worst thing about that is they die alone. Like, you know, that's, that's uh, the biggest thing that, uh, you know, because um, the hospital is closed for visitors or anything. So any visitors or any family members. Some, so it's really hard for to see them dying alone. Like, you know, like, would you imagine that right. maybe your parents or your loved ones die by themselves without anybody with them? So that's, that's I think, the, the biggest thing that we experience, like, you know, although we want those, but at the same time, it's, it's not allowed. So, so, is, so it's really hard. Were you... It- were you able to accompany? I mean, were the nurses able to at least be there when the patient passed away, or you just yeah, look we at, we, okay. we try to stay with them. Mm-hmm. Even some patients, like you know, some of them are really tired of being sick. Like you know, uh, I I talked to some of them, and and we we try to stay with them, like you know, as much as we could, mm-hmm. give them comfort, like you know. For them not to suffer but we also like um we had this thing that we can do the face time with the patient with the family right but even then even some pa- family member they know that their their loved one is sedated they said that can i just talk to them and even with the, i know you know that they cannot hear you but you know we give them that that chance you know talking right. to them even the patient is sedated doing the face time they set up the computer and then they could, you know, see how they are and things like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, what she just described is a, has very difficult, is a very dif- difficult picture to see. I'm trying to imagine it. And my hair is just like standing up right now when you were describing about witnessing the deaths and dying alone. So, um, yeah, it, I think that's a, the most difficult thing, like dying alone with, somebody that you don't know like us like they don't know us like that we take care of them but mm-hmm. that's the best thing we can do like you know to make them comfortable and pray with them you know right so can you can you tell us how did you and your fellow nurses cope with the demands of your work um both physically because i know you're working 12 hours and that's probably exhausting both mentally and physically but Especially the mental and emotional toll this brought onto you. How how did yeah, you and your fellow nurses cope up with it? Yeah, some of us, like you know, uh, I think we become close. Like used to be, like at the start of COVID, some of the nurses already got sick, but I think it's a secret. They don't tell us the name. Who who? But as it goes, we tend to body up with somebody, and if they didn't show up, we call them. So that way we become very close. And and we get some appreciation from some people from the neighborhood, like, you know, around the hospital, they gave us some food and things like that. And it's comfort us, like, you know, mm-hmm. that that at least we're being appreciated by, by, by the other people. And it is just very challenging. Like, you know, we, 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 we become very close. The, the nurses become mm-hmm. very close. We try to help each other because we there's nobody else who's gonna help us. Like you know, it's it's us. Right, right. Like um, so we we even tend to love for even sim- simple things. 
we play jokes with it and you know it is just or else we're gonna cry you know right but especially in front of the patients yeah like um but nowadays like they're saying that we we're praying and hoping that you know this will end because we've been in this situation for more than two years right and some of them are already um burn out and tired mm -hmm. in fact last year most of our some of our patients are really young like you know young and when we have a lot of young nurses mm -hmm. and they could used to be before the first of the covid are always old people but mm -hmm. now the second second know, wave time we have a second time that it has a, a, a and it's a younger de generation it was in the 20s and 30s and 40s and they could see that in front of their face like you know that even young people are dying yeah you sacrifice you and your fellow nurses sacrificed and put your own lives at risk just trying to save other people's lives so how do you feel about your service to your fellow human beings i think because we have you know as a nurse, we have a thing that we we will save our patient, we will take care of them, and things like that. So it's part of our job. I know sometimes a lot of nurses left um, and went on traveling because you know because of the things that some some of them feel they are not being appreciated. Mm -hmm. So they said that even if they go someplace else, they're still going to take care of COVID. So COVID, they said COVID is COVID anywhere you go. So right, it's true right. though, but it is true. So and it seems and there's I've a lot of travelers now, travel, traveling nurses. Nursing. Yeah. So, but it's not the same, you, you know. But if you belong to the same group of nurses, you tend to help each other, even right. to thick and thin. Mm -hmm. So, and we're worried, you know what what will be the effect of the COVID to us because a lot of us got sick. Mm -hmm. And so, the first go ahead. Uh, COVID outbreak, there are like 26 nurses, more than 26 nurses got sick. In and then the second line, there's cancel now. There's some nurses that getting COVID. Even we're vaccinated, not, you know. Because like of the continuous booster, exposure. Booster shot. Mm -hmm. Still, we got the COVID. So... So we are worried about what will be the effect of that, the effect the, of the, the long term COVID effect to us, mm -hmm. the long term effect, and what the, will be the effect of the vaccine because you know we don't know. Right, There's we don't know what can happen to all of us. There's still so much uncertainty out there, and um, so how is the situation now compared to when it all started? Now it's a lot better compared to the first you know, outbreak of COVID because before we even, sometimes we didn't even have supply, you know, we ran out of supply. But now we have some supply, but sometimes we still run out, but it's more, we have more supply nowadays. And plus we know there are some treatments, although mm -hmm. it's not, you know, we really don't know whether, how effective it is, mm -hmm. but at least uh, it's not, it's not the whole ICU. We still have some COVID patients in our unit, mm -hmm. but before the whole ICU is COVID, and we don't know what to do with them on the first outbreak because it just came out to our door. Like you know, we're not 
you're not even prepared for it, you know. Mm-hmm. It is hard. But but now at least you know what it is, so you know what to do. And you know what to do. Yeah. So and it's not as many as they are used to be. As you can tell, but I have a lot of questions, but um, <clears throat> I, we can reserve that for a second series because there's, I mean, as as soon as you respond to my question, there's more questions in my mind. So in the interest of time, yeah, maybe we so can... there's so many unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that is going on. Yeah, that's true. Right. Um, my other question is this. Um, how has all this, your experience in the ICU and seeing the effects... Um, on your own health and your other fellow nurses' um, health. Um, how has this affected your mental health and the other nurses' mental health? I think sometimes we feel, you know, depressed about it because, as I said, most of us are thinking what's going to be the, you know, the long-term effect of this COVID to us. Mm-hmm. Just like... Um, and like for me, even I'm already working, doing things, but there are times I feel short of breath. Some of the nurses have issues with their heart and things like that. They're taking medication for it. You know, so we don't know. There's always an uncertainty. Like, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's still, uh, we're not sure whether it's really going to go away because they said last year we... we we are all vaccinated. Most of us are vaccinated. And and yet, some of us still get a COVID. Mm-hmm. But at least it's not as bad. I, I hope it will not going to be as bad and what will be the effect. Because it's very tricky. Some of them got the COVID but don't have any symptoms. Some of them have right. COVID that has the worst symptoms. Right. It's the know. different um, variants. So... <clears throat> With that said, I am going to let you go and uh, we will reschedule uh, for more questions next time. In the meantime, um, you ha- you continue to fight this battle today and what message can, last message you can give to our listeners as a parting um, word for now? I think, um, as I told you before, like, you know, I think our world is so divided, like, you know, um, friends against friends, family against family. So I think looking at what has happened to some of our patients, they're not. I always tell them to to some of my patients. Like I, I told some of my patients that are really tired of getting sick. I told them that when you know when you look at the other patients we have, you have, you still have to be thankful to God. That's so right. I, I'm I'm very grateful. I always pray to God that Lord give us the compassion, the strength, the patience. Take care of these people. You know, it's it's really hard, but at least we're getting somewhere. Right. So right. I'm hoping that you know we, we we all stay strong and pray to God that one of these days it's gonna be over. And then, like as I said, it's it's. It's very, um, we are so divided that this, I know, yeah, don't look at other people the different way it used to be. They're all the same. They are still your friends. They're still your family. So don't. Right. Discriminate. Yeah. So with that, I I, want to emphasize that yours is a very 
powerful story. You and all the nurses out there are in the front lines, are, are heroes, and I salute you. And if you haven't heard this before from anybody else, and if no one has told you yet, I thank you for your services, and I am certain the whole Filipino community agrees with me that your sacrifices are not unnoticed. We pray oh, for you, you every for day. That. We are grateful yeah, to I you. Yeah, I pray for that too every day. I, I, I told my, some of my co-workers and some of my friends that, you know, only time can tell, like, you know, with, We'll, we'll get through to this. You know? Right. And we are very it's, grateful for, for you, nurses and doctors, for what you are doing. And it's just not work for you. It, it is your passion, and we cannot thank you enough. So um, with that said, I will uh, let you go, and we will speak to you again soon. Maraming salamat, Rose. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, too. Thank you. Hello mga kababayan! Salamat po sa pakikinig ninyo sa aming usapan ni Ms. Rose Chiwatan who is a nurse in the intensive care unit. Hers is a very powerful story and I can just imagine um, kung ano yung pagod nila at yung sacrifice nila and she is a symbol of all the other nurses that are doing this, um, putting their lives on the line. So, ang challenge ko po, an- Alam ninyo, alam nating lahat na napakaraming Filipino nurses who are out there. Karamihan sa kanila night duty. Karamihan sa kanila 12 to 14 hours sila nagtatrabaho. So, let's take it upon ourselves to kind of show more gratitude and respect and salute them for their sacrifices. Ang, ang challenge ko po sa inyo is that have, what have you done to support our nurses? What have you done to show your support and respect and gratefulness to our nurses who are putting their lives and their own families' lives on the line, their own health, para makatulong at para mailigtas ang mga pasyente? So I challenge you, Siguro we can do something together, like uh, raise funds for them to have a picnic or like bring lunch to the hospitals. There's a lot of Filipinos out there. Kahit, kahit konting gesture lang po. So, I mean, let me know kung gusto ninyong, uh, if you want to do something, but I will do something. So there's a challenge for everybody, including all the Filipino-American leaders out there. Every Filipino organization, there's a challenge. It's, the only, it's a small thing. Very small thing to show our nurses and doctors our love and support. Maraming salamat po. So, ako yung magpapatuloy po. And I want to give you an update about... <clears throat> back in episode 10... I'm sorry, yeah, episode 10, when we spoke about Neil Dazo. If you remember him, he was the Filipino who invented the water gasoline and has been awarded the Outstanding Filipino Inventor. Ang tawag sa invention niya is tubing the gasolina. So what made me think about it is the current gas situation now because of the posture in um, Ukraine and Russia, <coughs> which has caused the spiraling uh, prices of gas in, uh, in the country. So, ang, ang, so I researched and I found out that Neil Dasso pala, when he p- patented his invention, the Philippines couldn't support him, meaning cannot appro- pro- afford to provide the funding to get the project moving. So 
The word in the Philippines, apparently, this is common knowledge that a United States company bought the patent from Mr. Dazo. So he made millions, but the company did not use the invention, did not produce the water gasoline. They bought the patent to stop its production. So speculation is that the company is an oil company, and by buying the patent for tubig no gasolina, the water gasoline never came into fruition. So let that sink in for a minute. So we wouldn't be paying $3.50 per gallon of gas today had mm, greed not taken over. So right now, sa Pilipinas, the gas price is 72 pesos per liter. For diesel, it is 60 pesos per liter. Can you imagine? Last year, kapatid ko ang sabi niya, it was only something like 50 pesos per liter. So that's that. Um, just something to think about. So I'm going to switch gears, and I'm going to talk to you about nine superstitions many Filipinos still believe in. Alam niyo, we are a country of full of superstitions, but today I'm just going to give you one, and we're going to uh, give you some more in the next episodes. The first one, well, before I say that, the Philippines has, long, uh, has a long history of colonization, strongly influencing its culture and traditions. This impact extends well beyond language and into many superstitions that we take to heart. So, una po dyan, um, and this is kind of, I've heard this, but I, I hardly remember it because it's, it's, it's not very common. And this is the number of staircases at home should not be divisible by three. So, ang ibig sabihin nun is yung number ng steps pag akyat mo sa taas, it shouldn't be divisible by three. So start climbing the steps of the staircase and begin changing or begin chanting oro for gold, plata for silver, and mata, which means death. Diba yung oro, plata, mata na ating stage production in grade school and high school. So when you go oro, taking one step up with each word, oro, plata, mata. And then most likely upon reaching the, the, the top of the steps, the chant will end with either oro or plata. Kasi the Filipinos will go to great lengths to avoid ending the steps in mata, which denotes bad luck. So, of course, oro and plata denotes good fortune. Yun po ang aking lesson for the day on the superstitions. Um, I'm going to give you one Pinoy joke, joke, isang corny joke, dalawa pala. Yung una, ang swerte ng mga kabataan ngayon, may pa-milk tea at Starbucks pag board sila sa bahay. Samantalang kami dati, kailangan pa namin magkumbulsyon at mag-agaw buhay para sa royal ni nanay. <laughs> that, is, that is so true. And then the second one, this is in Ilocano. And it says, Uray gayam kompleto katiturog, exercise kan pangan, agkakapsut kalata, agkakapsut ka nga talaga, aglalo na uwantikwartam. So, in translation, for those who can't understand Ilocano, it says, even if you're complete with sleep, exercise, and food, you still feel very weak and sick when you don't have any money. <laughs> so, before I go, let me give you a couple of inspiring quotes. And the first one is from Dalai Lama. And he said, our prime purpose in this life is to help others. And if you can't help them, at least do not hurt them. The second one 
is from Mahatma Gandhi. And he said, you must not lose faith in humanity. Humanity is like an ocean. If a few drops of ocean are dirty, the ocean does not become dirty. So, ibig sabihin, napakalaki ng ocean, hindi, hindi magdudumi sa isang drop ng kadumihan. And then the last one is, the greatness of a man is not how much wealth he acquires, but in his integrity and ability to affect those around him positively. And that is by Bob Marley. Sa ngayon po, mga kaibigan, panahon na naman para magpaalam. Tandaan po ninyong mag-sign up sa subscription ng usapang pinoyga at gmail.com. Hanggang sa muli po, paalam muna sa ngayon. Kay rami-raming bagay kasama sa ating buhay.